Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, today's story is... The Twelve Dancing Pigsesses, as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Did I ever tell you the story about the Twelve Dancing Pigsesses? asked Nanny Piggins. The Twelve Dancing what? asked Derek. Pigsesses, said Nanny Piggins. What's a pigsess? asked Michael. It's like a princess, only better because it's a pig, said Nanny Piggins. The children paused for a moment to consider this. No, you haven't told us that story, said Samantha. Is it from the olden story days, asked Michael. Actually, no, said Nanny Piggins. It's a story about my sisters. Surely that's not right, said Derek. The Twelve Dancing Princesses was a story from Grimm's Fairy Tales, which was collected 200 years ago. Hmm, said Nanny Piggins. That doesn't mean anything. Everyone knows those Grimm brothers were master storytellers, or story thieves, but I strongly suspect they were also time travellers. I thought I saw one of them at my last birthday party trying to steal a slice of cake. They probably heard about my sisters over the buffet table, then rushed back in time to put it in their book. Authors are the most despicable people. Anyway, the real original story of the Twelve Dancing Pigsesses was about my identical 14 uplet sisters. Anthea, Beatrice, Abigail, Gretel, Deirdre, Jeanette, Ursula, Nadia, Sophia, Sue, Charlotte, Wendy and Katerina. But there are 14 of you, not 12, Samantha pointed out. Ah, but at the time of the events in the story, I wasn't there. I'd been kidnapped by the ringmaster and forced to become an internationally renowned circus star, explained Nanny Piggins. Well, that leaves 13, said Samantha. Who else was missing, asked Derek. Katerina, said Nanny Piggins. Oh, the one who's obsessed with vegetables, asked Michael. Yes, said Nanny Piggins. She was in prison. For what? asked Derek. For forcing a teenager to eat a Brussels sprout, said Nanny Piggins. The judge took a very dim view of the matter. He said it was assault. I think the judge had been traumatised by being forced to eat broccoli as a small child, so he had strong views on the subject. He sentenced poor Katerina to five years hard labour. Oh, that's a bit harsh, said Samantha. I don't like Brussels sprouts, but five years. Don't worry, said Nanny Piggins. She only served five months. That's how long it took her to weave a rope ladder out of corn husks. But during those five months is when the events of this story take place. My other 12 sisters were adopted by the king of Bottomley Potscavia. I've never heard of that country, said Derek. No, said Nanny Piggins. It's subsequently been shut down due to mismanagement. Anyway, the king didn't have any children of his own, so he decided to adopt. He'd been planning to adopt a baby, but he bumped into my sisters one day, and they are all staggeringly beautiful. So beautiful, in fact, that it may have caused him to have some sort of stroke or brain injury 
or they may have tricked him into eating a slice of mud cake so sweet it sent him into a temporary sugar hallucination. Anyway, when he regained his senses two weeks later, he had 12 daughters, my sisters, who, as we all know, are staggeringly beautiful, yet despicably evil, each in their own unique way. The king really did want to have children, though, so he decided to make the most of it. He gave them a room in the castle, bought them the finest clothes and the most beautiful shoes befitting a princess, and thought that would be that. But suffice it to say, that was not that. You see, the problem with having 12 children is they are devilishly expensive to keep, said Nanny Piggins, especially when they're pigsesses and they like nice things. And my sisters particularly like nice cake, guessed Michael. Of course, said Nanny Piggins. They weren't brain damaged. But that wasn't the problem. The problem was their shoes. A lot of stories seem to revolve around shoes or cobblers and elves having to make shoes, observed Derek. That's because bakers are too busy baking cake and making people happy to lark around making up stories about themselves, said Nanny Piggins. But I digress. The king's problem was the shoes. Twelve pairs of pigsess worthy shoes is expensive. And he found himself in a situation where he was having to buy 12 new pairs every single day. Gosh, if our father had to buy us a pair of new shoes each day, said Samantha, I think he'd just chop our feet off. Good gracious, Samantha, what a horrible thought, said Nanny Piggins. An accurate observation of your father's character, but a horrible thought. This may be one of Grimm's fairy tales, but it's not that grim. No, the king was getting angry because every night the pigsesses would go to bed like normal pigsesses, but come the morning their shoes would be entirely worn out, as if they spent the whole night dancing. He tried locking them in their room, but still every night the pigsesses would somehow escape, go dancing and totally wreck their footwear. And the king didn't know what to do. Royalty aren't great problem solvers, said Nanny Piggins. So he offered a prize. Any man who could figure out how the pigsesses were wrecking their shoes could pick one of the pigsesses to marry. And he would also become heir to the entire kingdom. Gosh, that king must have really hated paying for shoes, said Michael. Oh, he did, said Nanny Piggins. But he didn't want to make it easy. The king didn't want just any old ninny hammer getting his job. There was a catch. The contenders would get three nights to figure out how the princesses were doing it. If, after that time, they couldn't explain the damaged footwear, not only would they not get to marry a pigsess, they would also not get to keep their head. What do you mean? asked Michael. The king would chop their head off, said Nanny Piggins. Whoa, that's crazy, said Michael. Yes, insanity does tend to run in royal families, agreed Nanny Piggins. It's all the crown wearing. It crushes the brain and makes them do the silliest things. So anyway, the first contender was a prince from a neighbouring kingdom, said Nanny Piggins. He was seriously good looking, so he thought he'd figure it out in no time. You see, his confidence was entirely caused by pretty privilege. Because he was so good looking, everyone was always enthralled by his beauty. And so no one had ever pointed out to him that he was an idiot, which he was. 
So the prince watched over the princesses for three nights in a row, but he didn't hear or see a thing. And yet each night the princesses danced their shoes to ruin. And so on the third day, the king kept his promise and chopped the prince's head off, said Nanny Piggins. Oh, how horrible, said Boris. I know, said Nanny Piggins, but it didn't deter the contenders. Next, a scientist came to observe the princesses, confident that with rational thinking and logic, he would work it out. But after three days, he still had no idea. So the king chopped his head off too. It must have made such a mess, said Boris. The next contender was a clown, said Nanny Piggins. A clown, said Michael. Yes, he ran away from the circus to give it a go, said Nanny Piggins. And he got the princesses to reveal the secret by making them laugh, guessed Derek. No, said Nanny Piggins. He spent the whole three days making balloon animals and didn't learn a thing. So the king chopped his head off as well. How dastardly, said Boris. The king chopped the heads off the balloon animals too, said Nanny Piggins. He was not a terribly nice king. By this stage, there weren't a lot of people interested in trying to figure out how the princesses were ruining their shoes. True, the princesses were pretty, and being a king would be nice, but you can't enjoy it if you're headless. So all the well-known princes, scientists, and entertainers were staying away. However, it just so happens that at this time there was a soldier passing through the kingdom. He'd been discharged from the army because of an injury. So one night he was sitting by his campfire when an old lady pig, all bent over and wizened, drew near. "Excuse me," said the wizened old crone. "Would you mind terribly if I sat by your fire? It's such a cold night." The soldier knew how awful it was to be cold, so he immediately said, "Yes, of course." And he knew how awful it was to be hungry, so he offered the old crone one of his biscuits. Soldiers' biscuits aren't the best biscuits. They're no iced vovos, and they never have chocolate chips. But a mediocre biscuit is a gazillion times better than no biscuit at all. So the old crone took it gratefully. "Where do you go from here?" asked the crone. Oh, I don't know. I thought I might try to win one of the royal princesses," said the soldier, half jokingly. "Because you have been so kind and generous to me," said the crone, "I shall give you a gift to help you. I shall give you my cloak." "Oh, oh! I wouldn't dream of taking your cloak," said the soldier. "You'd be cold." Now the soldier didn't actually care about that, but the cloak was bright pink and very frilly and lacy. And while it looked fabulous on the crone, he knew it wouldn't suit his colouring. Oh, this is a magical cloak," said the crone. "You see, I am not an ordinary old crone. I am, in fact, a pig witch." As she said this, the light from the fire shone against her face, and the soldier realized that the crone was younger than he had realized. My cloak, continued the crone, will give you the power to hide yourself. When you wear it, you will become completely invisible. The soldier liked the sound of this. He definitely didn't want to be visible if he was wearing something so ridiculous. My other gift is wisdom, said the crone. Mark my words. When you go to watch over the princesses, do not eat anything they give you, because it'll be high in calories, and I should watch my weight. Asked the soldier. No, because they have been tricking the other contenders with sleeping cake. Said the witch. Gosh! Exclaimed the soldier. Thanks for the tip. So the next day, he went to the castle and presented himself. The king was glad to see him. He wanted to solve the shoe problem, but he also enjoyed chopping heads off. So he's going to enjoy the next three days either way.
The soldier was shown to the walk-in wardrobe off the pigsess's bedroom. He was to sleep in there so he could keep an eye on them during the night. As the soldier lay down, the older sister brought him a slice of chocolate mud cake. It looked delicious. The soldier's instinct was to shove the whole thing in his mouth at once. But he remembered the wise words of the crone, and instead, when the sister wasn't looking, he shoved the cake down the front of his shirt, then lay down and made snoring noises to pretend to be asleep. As soon as the pigsesses heard his snoring, they leapt up and put on their dancing shoes. Then they got the oldest sister's bed and slid it to one side. Underneath, there was a trap door. When they opened it, there was a staircase beneath. They all hurried down it. The soldier quickly put on his pink cloak, became invisible and rushed after them. When they all emerged from the bottom of the staircase, they were in a forest of banana cake. It was the most beautiful cake the soldier had ever seen. True, it did have fruit in it, which was a little disappointing. But when the soldier broke off a leaf and tasted it, there was so much butter and cinnamon and sugar inside, it still tasted good. But there was no time to stop and eat more. The pigsesses were hurrying through the forest. So the soldier shoved a big handful of banana cake into his hat, put it back on his head and kept following them. Next, they came to a mountain of sticky caramel lollies. The pigsesses hurriedly climbed over it without pausing. But the caramels looked delicious to the soldier, so he grabbed two handfuls and shoved them into each of his socks. Finally, they came to a lake of chocolate. There were 12 little rowboats on the bank, which the pigsesses hurried into. The chocolate looked delicious, but the soldier didn't have time to drink any. So he took off his shoes, scooped up as much chocolate as they would hold, and put them in his pockets for later. Then got into a boat alongside one of the pigsesses. The pigsesses rowed across the lake to the far bank, on which stood a discotheque with pumping dance beats. The princesses rushed inside and began to boogie. They were really splendid at dancing. They bopped away happily all night long. The soldier even joined in, although no one could see him because he was still wearing the invisible pink cloak. As the first light of dawn began to glow above the horizon, the pigsesses hurried back across the chocolate lake, over the caramel mountain, through the forest of banana cake, and up the staircase back to their room, where they kicked off their now ruined shoes and went back to bed. At 8am sharp, the door burst open and the king strode in. Show me your shoes, he ordered. They had better not be ruined. The pigsesses lay under their covers, pretending that they'd been asleep this whole time. But at the foot of each bed was a torn and tattered pair of footwear. You, said the king, turning on the soldier, you were supposed to watch over them and find out how this is happening. What do you have to say for yourself? The soldier stepped out of his wardrobe. The truth, said the soldier. I shall tell you the truth. Your daughters have travelled through a wood of banana cake, over a mountain of caramel lollies, and rode across a lake of chocolate to go to a fabulous discotheque where they danced all night long. That's ridiculous, exclaimed the king. Ah, but I can prove it, said the soldier. He took off his hat, and there was a cake on his head. He reached into his socks and pulled out sticky caramels. And he reached into his pockets and withdrew two shoes full of chocolate. And I can also reveal how your daughters tricked the other contenders by feeding them this. The soldier reached into his shirt and pulled out a slimy, gross brown lump. What is that? asked the king. Well, it was a slice of mud cake, said the soldier. Poisoned mud cake.
The king turned to his daughters. Is this all true? No, said the eldest daughter. Really? asked the king. Are you going to believe us or a man who stuffs banana cake under his hat, mud cake down his shirt, sticky caramels in his socks and chocolate in his shoes? Oh, good point, said the king. So he cut the soldier's head off and never did find out where the pigsesses had been going every night. The end. Hey, you can't end the story like that, wailed Samantha. No, I suppose I can't, agreed Nanny Piggins. Anyway, you're right, it didn't really end that way. The king thanked the soldier, declared him a hero for solving the mystery, and offered him his reward. You may choose your pigsess and make her your bride, declared the king. The pigsesses preened. They all wanted to be the one who was chosen. Um, no thank you, said the soldier. No offence, but I think I'm going to go back to the woods and propose to the old crone. She was much easier to get along with. Any twelve girls who think it's reasonable to let men get decapitated so they can go off dancing every night are too high maintenance for me. And that's exactly what he did. So the soldier and the crone lived happily ever after because now he knew how to get to the forest of cake, the mountain of caramels and the lake of chocolate They never went hungry again. The end. Well, thank you for listening. That episode was episode 104, which means I have been telling these stories for two whole years now without missing a week. So thank you for coming on this journey with me. Next week, I'll begin season two when I start reading you The Pesky Kids. I hope you enjoy it. So until then, goodbye.